Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is just a reminder that everything on the podcast is intended to be informational, educational, and entertaining. This is no way a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic process. If you find yourself in need of more direct support, please reach out for professional help. Or if you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or call 911. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Today it's just me on the podcast, and I wanted to talk a little bit about grief. Um, As I've been going through the last several months, uh, like everyone else, uh, through a global pandemic, and with kind of a racial revolution that's happening around the more visible manifestations of oppression and racism in America, as well as my own personal experiences with just life. What has been very consistent through work uh, and personal things and my role in other people's lives is the prevalence of grief, but how we often don't call it grief or honestly sometimes recognize the experiences we're having as being loss. So I just wanted to take a little bit of time today just to talk about grief and maybe add some encouragement for us to view the things that happen in our lives from a particular standpoint, through the standpoint of grief and loss. So I want to start by saying that all change equals loss. That's not mine. And I'll be honest with you, I don't remember uh, who can be specifically attributed to that quote, but it's not a new idea. When we think about change, even if we think it's quote unquote good change, positive change, change that is leading us into a direction that we want to go for our lives or our relationships, all change comes with loss. And when we think about that, from that perspective, that means there are many things to grieve. And so, yeah, (laughs) we have a lot to grieve. Who are we? Everyone. And I've been trying to think about why that may be particularly hard or difficult for people. And I think part of that is because These kind of conversations don't often happen. And when we do experience change or loss, there are only certain types of loss that culturally, I believe, societally or maybe familially that are considered acceptable, uh, acceptable things to grieve. And then there are acceptable expressions of grief. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to paint too much of a broad stroke, but what I can say in my life professionally and personally is when I'm talking to men, there are certain kinds of things that are acceptable to grieve. And that might be loss, like of death. If someone around you um, has died, that is often an acceptable experience of grief for 
uh, men that I that I know in my life. So yeah, if someone dies, hey, that's sad. We're gonna miss them. We get to grieve, and that means that that might be one time or one experience where certain men in my life do not um, experience shame or try to withhold crying or, or using tears to express their experience. But outside of death, sometimes uh, I've known men who have an understanding that whatever other experience they're experiencing, whatever other loss they're experiencing, that, you know, it doesn't get tears. Tears are reserved for death or possibly extreme pain, like my arm is hanging off of my shoulder, you know. And again, that's just one example because it's not just men, but they they came to mind for me. I know a lot of people who death is an acceptable experience where tears can be an outward expression of their experience. But think of how many other experiences we have in life that are deeply painful. But if we've never been um, given permission, I guess, to feel and experience those things, then we don't. So this goes to, well, if we experience deep pain with a lot of different experiences, how do we, you know, not use tears or have these expressions of grief? Well, I think what happens is if we feel that it's unacceptable to express the grief, then the most logical, if you will, thing to do is to just not feel it. And so I've talked often, very often about uh, the body connection to all of our experiences. Before anything is a thought and feeling, it is a sensation in our body. And so if we can learn to ignore, dismiss, or just kind of push through the experiences or the sensations that are happening in, happening in our bodies, um, then we can kind of bypass that grief response. And so let's just look at the last several months, right? A, a, a pandemic hit, and in addition to chaos and confusion, there was a lot of loss. People lost their jobs. People lost direct access to meeting together in groups, which means that faith organizations or faith entities were not meeting congregationally like they had before. Um, Hanging out at your favorite restaurant or bar or bowling alley or places where people went for fun and to relax and to get together with other people um, was not just minimized. At some point, it was just completely extinguished. Um, there was a loss of kind of, I would say, individuality, the ability to kind of be this person on your own autonomy, maybe is what I'm looking for. Um, people were kind of put into their homes, you know, if they were fortunate enough, you know, I've spoken a lot about the disparities that, um, the pandemic brought out, but let's just say people who could work from home, and, and so in some ways, people lost their homes in the sense that what was once specifically for family gathering or relaxation or just being 
the part of themselves that got to be this personal part now was a combination of where they worked and where they were home and where they played and where they parented and, and just all of those things. Every last experience I just mentioned is loss. And so I have seen many people go through the fear cascade of flocking, fleeing, fighting, freezing, and fainting as a result of the pandemic. But what I haven't seen a whole lot of is people acknowledging this experience as an experience of deep loss and pain and grieving it. Now, some people have, obviously, but I even if they have had these expressions, they cry, they're sad, they're deeply in pain, they're angry, they're depressed. They have these experiences, but I'm not sure how many of us have actually said this is grief worthy. And so I just wanted to bring that up. I wanted to offer that as an experience because when we can look at it through that lens, I think that people know how to grieve death. And if we are viewing this as something that we can grieve, then it gives some people at least a small template of, oh, so I'll use an example I've shared before. Um, when George Floyd was murdered, um, I did this um, Facebook. It wasn't a Facebook Live. It was just a video that I wasn't going to post on Facebook. But I, I did end up posting it on Facebook because of my personal commitment to authenticity and transparency. And um, I do a lot of videos, y'all. I do one every single Thursday, in case you don't know, Therapy Thursday video. And, you know, I mean, maybe a hundred or so people um, will watch the video according to, you know, the number on Facebook views. And, and that's awesome. But this video with me ugly crying, to be honest, but <laughs> being extremely transparent and, and, um, and grieving on camera for people to see had like over 2000 people watch it. And the point of me saying that is after people saw it, I had so many people reaching out to me. Um, and what became interesting to me were the people who reached out and said, if you need anything just to bring you food or have you food ordered, you know, let me know. And that was a repetitive theme. Like, I see you, I hear you, I love you if you need anything. But it was the offering of food that triggered a thought in me. I had experienced loss. It it was as if I was in mourning. And I'm familiar with mourning. When 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 loved ones of mine have died, um I can say that death had been relatively distant for me growing up. I had gone to numerous funerals. But I can't say that they were the funerals of people that I was particularly close to. It wasn't until I was an adult that I experienced a very close death. And that was the death of my father in 2006. And yeah, we are, we are we're right around the anniversary. Um, my father died on July 17th of 2006. And that was one week before his birthday which will be the 24th. And so when my father died, that was the closest death 
that I had ever experienced personally. And I was on the very, you know, on the receiving end in a very personal way of people's condolences and their offerings of food. And so when people began to offer me food, it brought me back to my father's death. And I went, oh, I'm in mourning. I didn't really make that connection before people started to offer me that. And I'm like, wow, okay. But it almost brought a little bit of relief because before that I was just in pain. I just, I was, I was in a world that, yeah, I was in so much pain, physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, all of that. Like my skin hurt. (laughs) I was in that much pain. But once I connected it to grief, it was like I knew what to do with it. Okay, I, I can grieve. And it's almost like it made it acceptable in a way that I did not have access to. What are you going through right now in your life that you need to grieve? I think that's an important question for us to sit with. What do I need to grieve? And being very intentional about viewing our losses and what what I've already said is change equals loss. What changes are happening in your life right now that deserve grief? Now, here's the thing about that invitation that I want to be very clear about because I also think this is what is happening. Maybe... We got to the pandemic and people lost their jobs. People have lost loved ones. People have lost their sense of security. There's so much loss, right? And maybe people are saying, look, I've been knowing that this is grief worthy. You know, I haven't been mistaken about it. Like, yes, I am grieving, but it's so heavy. It's so hard. It's so numerous. I feel like I'm suffocating. And I've heard that, you know, this is so hard. Well, here's the challenge. Pandemic, or I don't even call it pandemic, 2020. It's like the twilight zone. So we get to this year and all this craziness is happening and we're ready to grieve. But here's the challenge. If you have not been in the regular practice of grieving, then 2020 is backed up in the queue. We, I think, sometimes think that we get to the present and because all of this madness and craziness is happening right now, then we're just going to jump right here and grieve this. But some of us got stuff we haven't grieved since we were a child. We have decades of built up grief in our bodies and we think that 2020 is just going to flow through. It doesn't work like that. So why is it so heavy and all-consuming? Because we never took the time, and that's not an indictment. We weren't taught. We weren't given permission. We didn't know how. No blame or shame. But we have not grieved losses that we've experienced all the way back in middle school, high school, young adulthood. Because we didn't view them as grief. Because there was no one surrounding us to say, this is a loss. Or this is tough. So many of us have learned to just keep pushing through. As a matter of fact, I mean, when I think about Black people specifically and how we have had to 
persevere through the worst of worst experiences collectively in this country without time to grieve, the weight of that continues to just bear down in our souls and in our bodies and we pass it on to our children. I keep going back to times of slavery where Black people were brutally murdered and raped and beaten and their bodies used for labor, right? And, and, and people were watching this. They had to watch this happen to their loved ones. There was no time for grieving because grieving meant it might happen to you. Those expressions of pain where our body sometimes just wants to shut down and express this deep-rooted, excruciating devastation. There was no time for that. There was no space for that. There was no allotment for that. And so this push through, this, this, this resilience was built. And then it got passed down, not just behaviorally through how we were culturalized and taught, but in our very, in the genes that were passed down to us. And so when I think of getting here 2020, there still is no space, time, and recognition that grief is needed. And this is, this is cross-cultural. This isn't just for Black people, but it was a very worthy example and one that's very fitting for me. But I just want to just sit with this... Um, I don't know, sit with this invitation. Have I been grieving? Is that what is that lens, what I'm missing to help me navigate some of these experiences and this built up stuff? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not at all trying to suggest that grief is easy or non-painful, but it is in fact a process that we go through. And if you have not been grieving and having a practice of grief throughout your life, what might that look like? I'm not trying to put people in a position where they feel incapacitated for several months because they got to go back 40 years and grieve these things. However, I am maybe suggesting that we evaluate those areas that we have ignored, pushed by, stuffed down, and that we say, hey, that was grief worthy. Maybe I just take a moment to acknowledge that. Maybe I acknowledge some of the changes in my life as grief, even if those changes ultimately resulted in positive, you know, positive things in our life. The fact that we have not acknowledged it means something. I sat with so many people who moved around a lot when they were a child. Um, Rather, maybe their family was military or they just were pretty transient as a family. And they, they, they realized that when they were younger, they had a particular friend and then they moved. And, you know, it wasn't as easy back then to keep in touch with friends and They tried, but then that relationship fizzled out. That's a loss. 
Can we grieve that? Can we take a moment to say that child, your adult brain that you're looking back on, things happen, people move. You you have a very um, cognitive adult perspective on that now. But that eight-year-old who had to drive away from that neighborhood and leave their friend, they didn't have that adult perspective. So when we're thinking about the grieving process, I'm even asking us, and inviting us to step away from this very cognitive, rational, adult perspective that we've given so many of these experiences and go back to that inner child and just think about what they've lost. And I I can't even explain why I'm getting emotional right now. I think it's because, you know, it's very real for me. I am writing um, a book. Excuse me. I'm writing a book. So Uh, There is a book (laughs) that I have coming out. Um, I am part of an anthology of therapist or an anthology of stories written by therapists. You can pre-order that book on my website, The Heart of a Therapist, but that's not the book I'm talking about right now. Um, I'm in the process of authoring a book um, of my life. So part memoir, um, part (laughs) self-help. Anyway, the point is, as I go back, and I'm writing, I have to go back to these historical experiences that I've had. And I'm choosing to do that because throughout life, I've had a lot of experiences we all have, and we learn lessons from those experiences. And we sometimes don't understand how the lessons we learn growing up become a permanent part of our template. And we go through life living out those lessons that we've learned, whether it's avoiding certain things or behaving a certain way. Maybe it's a belief. It could be a worldview. But my orientation says that those experiences directly impact how we show up every day. And so I am going back to some of these experiences and I'm writing about them. And why this will take a while, but why it will be tremendously impactful. And even the things, the small parts I've shared so already with people like in my writing group and close friends have been so transformative for them. It's because I'm not writing about these historical events as an adult who understands and has lived decades longer to see how it played out. I am writing these historical experiences as the child I was. That means I have to put myself back into that place. I have to really make contact with that inner child and say, how how did they view this as it was happening? What was going through my little mind? What was coursing through my body? What was my confusion or understanding of these events? And when I tell you that I have been knee deep in grief since I started writing, I mean that. Because I can understand the things I went through now, and they have ultimately led to who I am. This person who is authentic and transparent and a healer, but has a three-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 14-year-old, that was not the experience. And when I go back as those children, it hurts so bad. And in so many of those experiences, I was alone. And so I have allowed myself to grieve. I have allowed those children in me to grieve. And let me tell you that 
I am so much better for it. Because they're not pent up with this unresolved grief. I think of it as kind of like an emotional constipation. (laughs) And if you've ever been constipated, it is not fun. It's actually very top high, one, two worst things that I experience. I need things to flow, okay? (laughs) But things can't flow in my life if I am backed up with things that I refuse to look at, things I refuse to grieve. And so this process of writing has been part of my healing journey because it's taking me back to these places in my life, not as I am now, but as I was then in allowing that part of me to step into the grief that I never did. I have cried so much writing um, these chapters and I realized that the tears are not my functional adult tears. In some ways they are, don't get me wrong. There is a sadness that I experience as an adult for that little girl who went through these things. But what I have, what I have endeavored to do is open myself up to allow those children to grieve through me. See, that's the thing. Your inner children who are still very much alive within you, they show up without your permission very often, more than likely. The only way they can get that grief out is through you. So when you're sitting like me doing a podcast and all of a sudden you start to feel like you want to cry and you get emotional, my throat got a little tight, I start feeling tinglings in my stomach, could I have pushed all that down for the sake of a professional or whatever, a a flawless podcast? Yes, I could have done that easily. It is my default mode. It is actually what I've been doing all of my life. But what I decided is no, whoever I'm taught whoever got activated in me talking about past grief, I am no longer going to shut the valve on their mourning and on their grief. That's what we do. Sometimes we grew up and we weren't allowed to grieve. Not that someone literally said you can't grieve, but when we started to cry and got emotional, we got things like, what's wrong with you? And just listen to that tone. And here's the thing. You don't know. You didn't have an answer for what was wrong with you. Just listen to the question, what's wrong with you? And if that is how we've been met, we've learned to slowly and sometimes instantaneous shut off the valve because it's painful to get that question and to hear that tone or to get people's confusion or dismissing and all of that. So we learn to shut it off. And so I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to slowly Start to open it. See what happens. Will it be uncomfortable? Absolutely. Especially if you don't have a muscle or practice of grieving. Will you be better for it? I 100 believe so. Um, So much of trauma recovery is grief work. When I really step into understanding that, how I work with myself and my clients shifted. When I began to realize that people needed a safe space to feel all their feelings, current and historical, and be able to grieve the many losses of their life, I began to shift how I practice. 
And I believe that the healing that people are having in very sustained, tangible ways are because of that shift. We can't go back and make things unhappen. We can't go back and make things happen that we wish had of. But we can sit with the acknowledgement that that is loss and that is pain and create space and time for expression of that. So that's what I wanted to give you all today. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to give you all today. Um, my husband's birthday is today. And I love this man so much. It's, it's yeah, it's, he's... He's everything, everything that my heart needed, everything that my life needed, even though I didn't know it, in a partner. And I'm so thankful for him. And we woke up and, you know, like me and our son, our oldest son, uh, saying happy birthday to him last night around midnight, woke up this morning and he was sad. And he just said, I'm a little sad today. And we didn't specifically talk about why. I believe a lot of that is because his mom is not here to celebrate his birthday with him. Um, And he thought about that. But what made me so grateful is that he acknowledged that. That even on a happy day, there is grief to be had. And that is so, I mean, (laughs) that is so much growth for him just because he was masterful at shutting all that off. He blames me for feeling. <laughs> now he feels and he blames me. And it, it's true. I, I am to blame for that. Um, but I'm just grateful that we have the safety in our relationship where he didn't have to fake excitement or contentment and he could just be sad. And I am grateful that we have the relationship that when I feel pain and grief that I need to express that it is safe for me to do it with him. Can we create these relationships with ourselves and with others? So that's just what I leave you all with today. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I hope this was helpful. <clears throat> um, I hope it was helpful for someone to hear this perspective I hope this was helpful for someone who didn't even realize they were waiting on permission and now you have it externally and now you just need to give yourself permission. So yeah, for all of my guests, as always, I am tremendously humbled and thankful that you tuned in to the podcast. If you would like to reach me, uh, you can find me at my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. We're on all the major social media outlets. Don't forget our YouTube channel over at Labors of Love Counseling and Consulting, where every Thursday we put out a Therapy Thursday video. And don't forget to rate, review, uh, subscribe, and share this podcast. We have tons of great guests and awesome content. Until we connect again, you all be well.